Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is the 11th of January. I was writing yesterday. You probably saw yesterday I did a bit of a roundup of what we've missed in the break. A few obvious themes there. The first for Australians was that the iron ore prices continue to improve, and BHP and Rio and Fortescue have performed fabulously over the last week or two. The other development has been the idea that interest rates in the US are going to go up more rapidly than expected. There were some Fed minutes out at the end of last week suggesting that. And you'll see this morning Goldman Sachs are saying they expect four rather than three rate rises in 2022, and JP Morgan are saying only four. In other words, they would be surprised if there were only four and there may be more. So interest rates are clear theme for the year ahead. On the iron ore price, the Chinese New Year starts on February the 1st to February the 11th. And there is usually a restocking process that happens ahead of that. So over the next two or three weeks, it is a seasonally strong period, stronger period for the iron ore price. Let's see if that can hold in. But that is clearly a strong theme running into the results season. And you have to imagine BHP, Rio and Fortescue are all going to have reasonable dividends to pay. Although you have to recognize that the iron ore price fell over in the last six months. So the results may not be quite as bubbly as you as best hopes. But I think anyone chasing income will probably be foolish to be selling BHP, Rio and Fortescue in the current trend running into the dividends. So strong iron ore a theme anyway. The other theme over the break has been lithium. We're up something like 28% on PLS, Pilbara Minerals, even though we only recently added it to the growth or forever portfolio. And we're up 20% on mineral resources. I was reading some articles about the constraints to renewable energy and clean energy. And the main constraint is getting the necessary minerals out of the ground. And I walked away from that article thinking, goodness, this is a not a moment. This is a long term revolution in demand for future commodities, which includes everything from lithium, cobalt, nickel, copper, rather than old commodities, coal, oil, iron ore. Is that a, an old commodity? Probably not. But the major constraint seems to be securing production of copper, nickel, lithium, cobalt. And you might have seen in the last 24 hours, Tesla has done a deal with a joint venture that includes Rio to secure nickel and cobalt offtake. And BHP as well have done a $140 million stake take in a Tanzanian nickel and copper operation. And you may have seen an article on Livewire in December. It's beginning to look a lot like a nickel war was the headline. Barry Fitzgerald, who you'll probably know, is a journalist which highlighted the consolidation going on in the sector with IGO bidding for WSA, WSA owning 19.9% of Panoramic PAN, Mincor MCR 8% owned by Wailu and 15% by IGO. And then of course, Andrew Forrest's family company owning 11.5% of Poseidon Nickel, which is, of course, my favorite stock. I do hold it, although they did sell down some of that holding last year at some point, which put a bit of a dent in the share price momentarily. Bottom line, I think this lithium nickel electrification EV theme is going to continue to run. 
we're playing that through PLS and MIN, and we also have some Rare Earths exposure as well, Linus, LYC, and I would suggest this whole theme is going to continue to run this year. Otherwise, you'll notice Telstra running fairly hard into results next month. Banks did okay over the break as well, again running into results. We've got a in our income portfolio or DAF portfolio, dividends and franking portfolio, we have a huge 10% holding in the CBA running into the results season. Otherwise, gold price going sideways, coal price going up in the short term, nickel price cruising up, aluminium price cruising up, copper price a bit sideways to up, zinc price going up, Bitcoin 38% off the top now. I have updated the portfolios on the portfolios tab on the website. You'll see all those, no changes recently. I added MFG to the ideas watch list yesterday. It is clearly in sentiment hold to the point where the media are pulling on any anchor they can, including Hamish's divorce, which by all accounts is amicable. But the threat is that Mrs. Douglas would be selling her holding in MFG. I doubt that she would be that silly. And if she was at this price, you would see a huge queue of institutions looking to pick the bottom when that happened. So I doubt that would happen. But anyway, MFG in a hole. Now, Henry has written about it today. I have also put a chart and the broker stuff in the ideas section today. My conclusion is that funds management is a confidence thing. They've lost one very large client. Yes, it's in a sentiment hole. Yes, the numbers look cheap if the forecasts are right, but confidence takes a long time to rebuild. It is a long road back, and I think that's what Henry says as well. And this game is to be waking up to things we're excited about, not things that are struggling. So we're supposed to pick the weeds, not hope weeds turn into flowers. So I would just pass it by as an idea. Although, as I say, I have added it to the watch list. Right, I have written a few, I've got a few strategy points to note in the spy section today that were of interest today. They include rain in Brazil. Vale suspended some operations, which is good for the iron ore price, although it was down one and a half percent overnight, but a mild positive. Goldman's getting gloomy on Chinese growth. They have a below consensus GDP forecast of 4.8% for Chinese GDP growth in 2022. And they reckon there are downside risks to that. I've told you already they're talking about four. Goldman's talking about four rate rises in 2022 as well. Big volatility in the US overnight. NASDAQ was down 2.7% at one point. Dow Jones was down 600 points at one point. This sort of volatility isn't good for for uptrends, it tends to keep you awake, not put you to sleep. Not what we want to see, this volatility. Need it to settle down a little bit. In the last week or so, the trend in the US markets is down. The Nasdaq's 8% off the top. That's all to do with interest rate rises. You've probably seen US 10-year bond yields have popped on the back of this commentary from the Fed that they have considered raising rates faster than their dot plot would suggest. Other couple of quick items. We've got the US results season coming up. Tom and Leighton are doing a calendar for that. Should be out tomorrow. And we have our results season two to three weeks away. This is the time to be fully weighted in the CBA, Telstra, BHP, Fortescue, etc., etc., running into those results, assuming the market holds up. Right, today I've resurrected the old idea of post-it notes. 
have a read of the article. I won't run through it all, but post-it notes are things that you wish someone would stick on your screen. You can get to the end of a financial year or end of a trading calendar year, and in hindsight, you'll be able to identify two or three post-it notes that if only someone had stuck them on your screen on the 1st of January, they would have made investments so easy and swept away all the bollocks, the financial theory, all the research, all the complications, all the endless blah, blah, blah that we're going to get bombarded with or we're going to bombard you with this year. If we just had a couple of clear messages for each 12-month period and now is as good a time to think about that. There are a couple of post-it notes we could stick on our screen that will make the, the year so much, or would have made the year so much easier. So as we sit here today, we try and guess what post-it notes would you stick on your screen that will make investment so much easier for this year ahead. And I've written about a few of those. Last year, our biggest hope was for a quiet bull market. And in 2021, can you believe it? Despite the COVID backdrop, lockdowns, and all the blunders and mistakes helped by stimulus, our market was up 13.02%, was it, the ASX 200? And the US market was up double that much. When the average is 5.77% per annum, we more than doubled the average return. That's 5.77% plus dividends and franking. So the ASX 200 is up 13% cold pre-dividends and franking, and the average is 5.7%. So we more than doubled the average not that the average means anything, but we more than doubled the average. It was a very good year last year, particularly in the US. So the first post-it note would be more like a prayer, which will be 2022 quiet bull market again, please. But more specifically, post-it notes for this year that look likely at this point. I think the two main strategies, themes or things you could write on a post-it would be higher rates would be one. You've got to expect interest rates to go up as from what we know at the moment, it seems the obvious thing. Supply chain issues remain. Inflation is going to become more of a problem, not less. Rates are going to rise faster than expected. At least that's what Goldman Sachs is telling us and JP Morgan. And on the back of that, you'd probably be avoiding the highly indebted sectors, utilities, REITs, infrastructure. The residential property market, you might expect, uh, fixed rates are already going up, but you might expect the property market will stop going up, go up more slowly, may even go down. But very hard to see this repeat of what it did last year. So higher rates would be number one. That probably play out reasonably well for the bank sector, I've got to say. They tend to like higher rates. It allows them to expand margins in the short term. And banks have held quite held up quite well during the break. So running at the results for the CBA, the other banks don't have results. Reasonably confident that the result's going to be okay. The second post-it note would be no stimulus. And I think this will be, or you could rewrite this, beware consumer discretionary. If you imagine it, in 2020 and 2021, as the pandemic got a grip, there was JobKeeper in Australia, there was fiscal stimulus, JobKeeper, JobSeeker. People were getting money for doing nothing and they were going online and spending it. At the moment, people are getting no money for doing nothing. My daughter, for instance, is having her shifts cut back in the pub. I know there are, there's, there's not enough staff, but there's no customers out in the pubs either. All this feeds through. Consumers are not going to have as much money to spend as COVID hangs around. So I think this sort of think think Kogan and Temple and Webster and all this discretionary spending 
Uh, think think also uh, self-wealth, you know, these Robin Hood uh, dealing people were playing the stock market with government money, with my taxes, <laughs> punting the stock market, sitting at home on their computers, not working, getting money. That is coming to an end. I think that will have an impact on consumer discretionary. Everything from online shopping, travel, retail, hospitality, entertainment, pubs, restaurants. 2022 is going to be very different to 2020 and 2021 because 2022 is going to be a year with COVID but without government support and stimulus. So maybe travel is never quite going to recover. Don't know. But I would say a repeat of the online spending boom is pretty unlikely. And that will probably filter out into real time spending as well. Emptier shops, maybe more spending on travel, but that will detract from other consumer discretionary as well. So a lack of stimulus, but remaining COVID. Watch out, consumer discretionary, I think might be the theme there. So higher rates doesn't help that either. Higher rates means mortgage risk. It means spending less as well. So not such a good year for the consumer, maybe. I've got a few hopes written down in the strategy piece today. Hopes for this year, a quiet bull market, as I've said, another thing. 13% would be good. Seems unlikely. Uh, Let's hope the big one doesn't happen, which is what I keep talking about, which is the price we're going to have to pay one day for all this money printing over the last, well, since the GFC and that money printing doubled in the pandemic since the pandemic. We have a price to pay at some point. That price is presumably inflation, but at some point the stock market may just lose its legs. Let's just hope that big one doesn't happen this year. Another hope would be COVID quietly goes away, but I think it's going to remain for now. Spotting the peak of COVID will will be a moment for investors, a moment for us to rotate from pandemic beneficiaries to pandemic victims. But it seems to be a way away yet. But timing, timing the peak of COVID, hopefully it'll come this year, will be a moment. Uh, let's hope China and Australia reset positively on trade at some point. We need that for BHP and Rio. We don't want that to get worse. Let's hope politics stays away. We've got an Australian federal election this year. Let's hope it doesn't impact the market either way, which it usually doesn't. And let's hope we don't have to care about it. I certainly don't want to be writing about it. And let's hope as well in the US we don't get any other political events like a distraction, the distraction of Trump renominating. Last thing I want to be doing is going to bed worrying about the unexpected, which is Trump's main contribution to the stock market whilst he was president. Let's hope geopolitical risks don't emerge. Ukraine, Hong Kong, South China Sea. And let's hope Goldman Sachs is wrong and Chinese growth doesn't miss expectations this year. China is crucial to the big end of our market, to BHP, Rio, Fortescue, where investors are making a lot of money in the short term and where a resurrection's going on. Let's hope that continues. The last thing we need, some sort of Chinese economic blow up. Right, I've got a few other predictable or a few other possible events, post-it notes, predictions for 2022. I put a link into the article I wrote in December about predictions for 2022. You can link to that. Here are some other ones. Predictions that COVID remains for now. Uh, Working at home becomes a future normal, which is not great for the office centre and the migration out of the CBD, I think, will continue. I don't think the CBD is ever going to resurrect in the way it once was. 
And I think whilst working at home does become the normal, this reassessment of property suburbs that are going to do well, the lifestyle suburbs will continue to do well at the expense of the city suburbs, perhaps. Although one of my friends just sold his house in Port Melbourne for an astonishing sum of money. Am I allowed to say $7.2 million for a standard suburban block? $7.2 million in Melbourne. Nice house, but anyway, working at home, I think, will remain a new normal. Another cheeky prediction. The first BNPL operator will fold. BNPL continues its transformation from hot sector in the middle of a land grab to a competitive commodity. Once Apple, PayPal, Google flick the switch on installment payments, that industry's gone. I see Afterpay fell 10% in a day last week. That whole sector continues to fold. I've talked about the demand for clean and renewable energy continuing, continuing to drive lithium, cobalt, copper, nickel. There is not enough raw material. The metaverse might become something we understand. It's coming, whatever that is. Cryptocurrency, I'm biased here, but I can't help thinking it's it's down. Bitcoin's down another 38% from the top. I think this volatility is going to wear people out. It's going to, at some point, transform from hot speculative fun sector into a tired, speculative, volatile, tiring gamble into more legitimate cryptocurrencies, whether those are brought in by central banks or whether they're bought in by ETFs. I think the volatility has got to smooth and with it, the speculative interest will smooth and with it, my kids might start to turn their attentions to building longer term assets than betting in shorter term prices. But whatever, I do think the central bank cryptocurrencies could come along, legitimize cryptocurrencies and replace this speculative volatile area of the cryptocurrency market with something terribly boring anyway. As I say, biased, shouldn't really comment. And the other thing I think is interesting, at some point for someone who is sat at home looking to upgrade my car, second-hand car prices are ridiculous. I just can't buy anything on car sales at the moment at those prices. You cannot get a new car. And second-hand cars, I was looking at a Ford Ranger, new, I think it was 68,000, and you could pay 75,000 for one that was three years old, had done 30,000 kilometers because it was available, because there are no new ones available. At some point, I don't know when, cars are going to start arriving in Australia and second-hand car prices are going to drop. There's going to be a flood. There is huge demand. There's a huge bubble of demand for new cars and at some point they're going to start arriving at that point car sales will be flooded with second-hand cars and this squeeze in auto stocks is going to come to an end you probably saw was it eclipse last year Novated Lease Company produced extraordinary results on the back of an unexpected rise in second-hand car prices meant they were turning over cars that had been leased for three years for vastly more than they'd expected, so they had to upgrade earnings. Anyway, that at some point will reverse. Probably not yet, though. Supply issues still seems to be, or supply chain issues from chips to the cars actually arriving are still a problem. So it may well be next year that the auto prices peak, but at some point point there is clearly a bubble in second-hand car prices which is going to come off the top it will probably affect all those novated lease companies to some extent and it needs to happen because for all this talk of electric vehicles there aren't any 
So all I'm really detecting, I'm not sure what it's going to mean for what stocks, but anyone who's shopping for a car on car sales will tell you there's a bubble in secondhand car prices that will reverse at some point. All right, so that's some of my guesswork for themes or post-it notes for 2022. I've put a link in the spy section. Send me your post-it note for 2022 and I'll publish them when I get them. Right, a couple of other quick things in the portfolio section. We don't hold it, actually, so I don't know why I put it in the portfolio section. But I was asked about Ramsey Healthcare, which made a short announcement today, and whether this was a stock that was going to boom as the pandemic continues. I don't think so. Have a read of the section in the newsletter today. It's been a relative underperformer for a long period of time. Basically, it's like an income stock going sideways. If you put zero on the on the chart, it's a left to right chart going sideways, but it doesn't have a yield. And it's on a PE of 36 times, dropping 25 times. It's not cheap either. So I don't think Ramsey Healthcare is an exciting stock for either growth or income. And two other quick things. Polynovo, when we first did a one-stock portfolio, we got a few people that seemed to know everything about Polynovo and were quite impassioned about their stock picks. And the the stock has done terribly. It's gone from four bucks down to $1.50 recently and today has popped 18%. They've had some sales numbers, interim sales numbers are up 105% in the second quarter, up 76% in the US and they say we are only just starting out so buy signals flashing on the charts today or tomorrow morning at least might be worth you having a look not sure there'll be much research tomorrow but the numbers are a bit weird constant revenue growth but only turning profitable in the next year or two big negative PE at the moment bit of a concept stock medical devices now the other stock of interest today is ARB ARB of course is four-wheel drive parts very successful stock has gone from in the pandemic it got down to almost 10 bucks it's now 50 bucks that's left it on a PE of 38 times yield of 1.9 looks expensive but return on equity 21% consistently has done fabulously in the pandemic because no one's been able to buy a new car and they've all been adding bits to their existing car but on top of that I don't know whether you know but from my own experience looking at car sales there is a ute boom that's been going on utes have moved from being the Australian workhorse to being the Australian bling they have become fashionable yuppie accessories and ARB when these new cars start arriving everybody's going to want to buy parts from ARB to tart them up and they're still going to be spending on the second hand cars anyway a ute boom going on ARB very fair set the interesting thing today so share price just keeps getting away from us the interesting thing today is it's down 6% Credit Suisse have downgraded to underperform from neutral they've cut their target price from 47 bucks effectively to 38 bucks it's currently 49 bucks they've got a target price price 23% below the current share price the dip in the share price today has broken the uptrend support line Keep an eye on ARB. They've got results in February. Credit Suisse says the results are likely to be bumper results, but they are going to reset expectations thanks to a combination of rising cost, margin pressure and slower growth. And they think there will be a bit of a reset of expectations. In other words, downgrades post results in February. So 
look out for those there's a price for everything great stock in the middle of a ute boom we hold it in the forever portfolio it doesn't make it into the income portfolio but arb coming off the top today some of you might want to trade the dip i'll just keep holding it i think for now right that's about that today the market's down 52 doesn't like the u.s volatility banks taking a bit of a beating today cba down 2.4 percent resources flat fortescue up 1.8 percent polynovo up 23 percent now that's about that everything a little bit soggy dow futures down 13 not telling us anything you have a fabulous day and i will speak to you tomorrow <laughs>